Bienvenidos, y'all. It's Radio Manea. I'm Miriam Suela Perez. And I'm Vero Valletti Flores, and we're two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week Vero is leading us through a um, deep dive into the rise of Mexican regional pop. Very exciting. Yes. Very so, exciting. We are in the midst of a really groundbreaking moment for Mexican regional music, like this current pop iteration, and we're listening to a song that is charting not just in the Latin charts, but also in the gringo ones as well. Let's take another listen to a song that I expect most of you have caught on to by now. This is Ella Baila Sola by Peso Pluma and Estadón Armado. Te va mi hija, y por la doble P viejo, así nomás con papel y no puro eslabón armado, a las plebitas. No soy un vato que tiene varo, pero hablando del corazón te cumplo todo, me agarro. De su mano, mi compañía se la creyó que al pasar fue yo. Su cuerpo, juro por Dios que era tan perfecta, son cinturita como modelo. Sus ojos, desde el principio me enamoraron, a ella le gusto y a mí me gusta. number one latin song right now it's been in that wild. position for three weeks but the thing that's truly wild to me right is that this song is number five on just like the regular degular billboard hot one chart <laughs> yeah. 100 they had pop charts you know right and um it's already a large upending of the dominance of caribbean genres in right. um the latin charts but to have it be in like the regular hot 100 is right. really huge and peso pluma is having a, a moment right now this is not the only song that he has on there he has seven other songs on the hot 100 right now also like ranging from like 12 to 90 you know Amazing. and like everything in between with um other newer artists in the Mexican regional scene, like Natanael Cano and Forza Rajida. So um, sort of because of his and other Mexican regional artists, like sudden takeover of the charts, 
we thought we would do an episode to talk about this phenomenon that is feeling maybe new, but it has been brewing for a minute. Yeah, it's definitely like there's a tide has turned or something is really like amping up the popularity at the, like you're saying, at the like gringo level, not just in the Latin (laughs) music level. The gringo level level is a different (laughs) level. (laughs) Well, and I wonder if this is like a little bit our own biases around being so Caribbean focused or if it really, because I wonder about like, if we look back at Latin music in the US, if there have been other moments for Mexican music that I'm not like that aren't mm. so like present with me because so much of the Latin yeah, films that we've possible, talked about, a lot of them that, have been Caribbean. Yeah, I think that's possible, but I think it it's pretty safe to say that the last like five to 10 years have been very, pretty dominated by yeah. like reggaeton right. and um, by just Caribbean genres generally. That's not to suggest like Mexico is a huge music powerhouse, always has been, but what we see coming out of there historically that's on the pop charts is pop, right? Like Mexican regional music is, um, when I say that, I mean a lot of different genres, right? Like, and so Mexico is a very, very large country and has a lot of, you know, very distinct regional cultures and to go along with that like sounds right like you have like norteño which is like you know as the name suggests from the northern states like sonora chihuahua and there's a particular kind of instrumentation that um that that denotes you know like accordion like very polka um Mm -hmm. heavy from like the um German migration that there was there. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in our accordions episode. Mm -hmm. But then you also have like banda, which is more from Sinaloa. You have mariachi, which is like Jalisco, Michoacán, you know, like cumbia, which is not indigenous to Mexico, but is really popular in central Mexico. So there's a lot of like regional variation to what Mexican music is. So Mexican regional is really an umbrella term. And then under that, we're talking specifically about this very um, recent generation of uh, Mexican regional artists, corrido tumbado artists, however you might want to think about them. Not all of them do corridos, but um, but who are sort of like coming with a more like hip hop aesthetic mm-hmm. um, and that are like a young generation of artists who are not like, you know, like wearing like the traditional clothes and get ups right. and cowboy hats, but like are much more likely to be seen in like a bucket hat, for example. Um, right. right. But are but are really tapping into um, music that, has dominated the Mexican countryside, but these are like city kids. Yeah, it's kind of like the children and maybe even grandchildren of, you know, some of these, the bands that we can like think of, these like iconic Mexican regional groups. Um, It's like these are their kids and their grandkids who moved to the city, but like grew up listening to this music and it's going to influence what they're bringing forward, which is now like a fusion of so many things, including influences from hip-hop and reggaeton and other stuff yeah so ella baila sola which is a song that we just heard is the first mexican regional song to reach the top 10 of the billboard hot 100 it's currently at number five like i said there's seven other songs that um that uh peso pluma has 
on the Billboard charts, and he's like on a fucking tour de force right now. Becky G mm-hmm. just brought him out of Coachella, and everybody mm-hmm. lost it in the audience. He just played Jimmy Fallon, and um, he's so. What's so interesting to me is that his voice is so particular. He's like sounds mm. like a Mexican Bob Dylan. And he looks like a a skinny Bushwick lesbian. The name is appropriate. This kid is lanky. Peso Pluma is accurate. Featherweight. Featherweight. Yes. Yeah. Bushwick lesbian. He really do. He's got that art mullet, you know? Yeah, he does. He really does. I'm like, who's influencing who here? You know? (laughs) Um, You know what this is making me think of? It's like, okay, as a kid in North Carolina, you know, there was like, and even now there, you know, there's like the channel, there's like the radio channel that is like Mexican regional music, right? Like there's a specific station Mm -hmm. that plays all that music. Like that music has always had an audience in the United States, but it was like speaking to its own audience. Like the community going to that channel was like Central American and Mexican immigrants. Like they're the folks listening to that music. And now it's like, and then in other places, there are these like more pop, like pan Latin kind of stations, La Mm -hmm. Mega and stuff that are very Caribbean focused, but it's like, like now those songs are like jumping the dial or songs yeah. that are influenced by that are like jumping the dial and pulling from like some of these references that are more, maybe more present in Caribbean music because of the influence of like New York city and Caribbean immigrants. And now mm. it's like, we're getting this like new generation mm-hmm. of, of like hybrid that people are just like clearly obsessed with because it's just totally popping off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's completely wild. It's really cool to see. And we're going to get into a little bit of like how we've been seeing this bubble up for a minute. You've heard some yep. of this in our podcast. If you're a longtime listener, you you probably have heard some of this bubble up already. And if you're astute, have been picking up on those trends. But um, let's go now into, um, you know, Hablando de Caribeños, mm-hmm. uh, one of the songs that just recently came out that uh, speaks to just like the level of popularity that we're talking about here. Um, Grupo Frontera at, has a song with uh, where Bad Bunny hopped on, and it's called Un Por Ciento. So let's take a listen to that. Te miento, eso de que me vieron. 
I think that Bad Bunny hopping onto a Grupo Frontera song, it's not the first time that he's done this, that he's gotten onto a uh, Mexican regional song. We brought to the show, I'm going to say early 2020, late 2019, um, Soy el Diablo, which is a song by Natanael Cano, who was one of the early sort of like, I would say early indicators of the potential of this kind of music um, to chart in pop uh, in pop charts. Um, right. But Bad Bunny in 2019 is not the same artist that Bad Bunny in 2023 is, right? Like no, Bad definitely Bunny not. in 2019 <laughs> was not the biggest artist in the world by far, you know? Yeah. Whereas now he absolutely is. Like he's streaming more than anybody else for like the third year in a row. So, um, it's like, it's just like a signal to like, just the level of popularity there is. And also like to Bad Bunny's like, you know, particular penchant for pushing genres and, you know, in being, keeping it interesting. So Mm -hmm. I will, um, you know, I'll give that to him. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, so this song right now is number 15 on the Billboard charts, but it's not the only one that Grupo Frontera has on the charts, right? He, they have three other songs also mm-hmm. on, like, again, the Gringo Hot 100, which is currently littered with Mexican regional songs. That's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And when and it's interesting because Grupo Frontera is not like what you're talking about. Like they're not the young like hip hop influenced twenty somethings, right? They're the like more classic sort of five guys wearing matching button downs and matching like cowboy hats kind of vibe. I feel right? like they're sort of in between. They're younger. They're definitely younger, and they're not. You know, they're not like Los Tigres del Norte. You right. Know like what I mean? Like they're new. They're, they're newer. Yeah. They're newer, but they're doing, they're like part of this sort of like new renaissance of Mexican regional also. Right. That's true. It's true. And yeah, and they are like, they're from the US. Like they all got together in Texas. Yeah. But I will say, I'm looking at a picture of them all wearing matching button downs and matching cowboy hats. Yeah. And they, you know, (laughs) cowboy hats and stuff. So like, yeah, it's very interesting, you know, like how these, um, you know, like all the ways that these this type of, of music is like making its way. And also like if you like are listening to this, right? Like so with the exception of like the brief moment where Bad Bunny comes on at first, it like feels like it's like, okay, this is a whole different song now. But then it goes back to like being like this like Texas cumbia, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um that this song is. And it just like you know, it's not since basically Selena who um yeah. had Mexican region have has Mexican regional made a splash like this and like she was sort right. of alone I right. feel like right right no I think you're right it's so interesting because that they just they were formed last year so to go from like just being formed to now being collaborating with Bad Bunny is like an amazing trajectory yeah yeah I was hearing uh, I was listening to this um interview with them about shooting this video and they didn't know bad bunny was gonna be there like they're just like you know like bad bunny just was like walked out of his trailer when the shooting was about to start and they were like trying not to pee their pants basically i mean yeah i want to know who their management is like how did they how did they get to this place it's amazing um Yeah. yeah i think i think you're right selena right so like like i was saying about like latin booms right like that was a latin boom moment um that had that that was sort of like aborted before it could go anywhere because of her murder but it was like right. the the potential that she had to reach 
kind of gringo audiences on top of like the Mexican-American audiences. Um, I think that's one of those moments. But yeah, when I think back to what we've covered, so much of it has been very Caribbean. And so it's really interesting, yeah. this particular moment. And like, I mean, what do you, what do you, why do you think it is? I know we're going into like some of the like precursors to it, but like, do you have a theory about like why this moment? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, as our listeners will probably know, Mexican regional music has been around for a while, right? But like, this is like not Los Tigres del Norte, right? Like this was like Musica del Rancho, which certainly did have a wide audience, right? Yeah, of course. Um, It had a huge audience. And I feel like even as a person who was growing up and isn't Mexican and wasn't, this isn't part of like my household stuff, like I knew who those people were, right? I knew who some of these bands, like Tigres del Norte, Juan del Recodo, you know, like I feel like these are some huge names that had a really wide audience. But to suggest that it was pop music would have really been a stretch, yeah. right? And this new era of Mexican regional music has really been led by the prominence of like Corridos Tumbados, which is like a mix of corridos, which is a Mexican folk ballad that focuses on storytelling. And Mm -hmm. really recently a lot like around like stories of like hustlers and drug dealers and like narco corridos is a Mm -hmm. subgenre, right? Um, And this new like hip hop swagger, that's like the evidence, I think, of like the global prominence of hip hop in the pop charts um, for like the entirety of the lives of the young people who are populating this genre right now, right? Like hip hop started to regularly appear in the charts in the 90s, which is when a lot of these kids were born. Um, before that, it was less on the charts, if at all. So um, I think that there's a few things happening here. One, like there is like a few like big pioneers, like Rancho Milde is a record label that is a huge pioneer of this. I was reading... Um, the uh, a profile that um, Susie Exposito did on the founder of uh, Rancho Humilde, um, which is super interesting. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, so I think that they really pioneered, like, like Nathaniel Cano is um, mm-hmm. on Rancho Humilde, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, they really pioneered, like, a new sort of, like, aesthetic and sound around this, right? And they're based in L.A., so, like, they are in, like, a situation where people are listening to hip-hop, people are listening to reggaeton, people are listening to, you know, banda and listening to corridos. And so it's like, okay, like, we're all the same people listening to all the same music, so we're going to start throwing parties and, um, you know, like, promoting artists that have all of that within them as well. Right. And so right. I feel like that's one thing. The other thing is that, like, you know, like, this quote-unquote latin boom that we're in right now like the post you know to like say the post despacito moment has like woken up the possibility of marketing to latinx people in a different way and there's a lot of mexican people in the united states and people of mexican descent and people Mm -hmm. you know who like are of mexican descent whose families have been here for generations it's just like a huge population and what you can translate that to is a quote-unquote market right like for better or for worse Um, so I think that those things are all factors. And then honestly, like TikTok has had a huge impact on this, um, on this genre in particular, like a lot of these songs have made it to TikTok and have been really, really big on that app. And, um, and so like making a splash on there is really, uh, translating to a lot of streams and a lot of charting success. Yeah. So I'm seeing that, that like one of the, the, the group on Frontera's like first 
big hit was basically because of TikTok. It was their, um, there was a cover of this Colombian song, No Se Va, and it got like 17 million, 170 million views on YouTube and hundreds of thousands of TikTok creations where it first started to rise. So yeah, it's like, that's incredible. What, what's coming organically from TikTok is so interesting to see how different that is than some of the yeah. the other places. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this interview that maybe you already saw from, um, it's a billboard interview with Grupo Frontera from December of last year. And it talks mm. about, you know, how they feel like, he says, I think it was the seasoning that we put with the congas, he said, of their runaway six, their cover. Yeah. The, it doesn't sound like your typical Norteño song. In fact, it sounds like something fresh with that reggaeton vibe, right? So it's like exactly what we're talking about. It's like this genre bending that they're doing and how. Yeah, I was so surprised to see the congas when I saw this video. Yeah. I was like the video for um, with Bad Bunny. I was like, wow, they have like, a, I've never seen a Mexican regional group with congas. Like that's incredible because that's so congas exciting. are Caribbean. Yeah, it's so exciting. I don't know. It's just, it's really cool that they're doing something that this, this kind of cohort of people are doing this particular thing and that it's hitting such a it's getting such resonance, right? That people are so, um, it's, it's working. It's so successful, right? Like people are really resonating with it. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I know the next pick that you have for us is another, brings in a group that was another collaborative group on Terra, Fuerza Regida. So why don't you tell us about this next pick? Yeah, so this is Fuerza Regida with another artist that we've been talking about um, and that we brought to the show before. Natanael Cano, this song is called Seachi. Ay, que jalados, compa Jesús. Para la CH y la pizza, compa Nata. A ver, no más para que vayan y digan, viejo. A huevo, viejo. Y pura mafia de la calle. Es cuestión de culto, pero por todos los collares Santería que casi nadie trae, por ahí van En el gabacho se parte el queso pa' la CH y la pizza Puro con que huevos trae, no es pa' adornar Sochi del Rank Roll llevo pa' las plebes Y un antropresón, el que puede, puede que le haciendo verde como la aporto yo, póngase bien vergas que cargo el cuerno Traiciones no aguanto, pa' bueno lo saco Ya, ya, bien calados, viejo Arriba la CH, arriba Sonora Arriba la mafia de la calle So, as I said, we brought Natanael Cano before, and if you've been listening to us, I feel like you have maybe heard some of these songs um, and heard like the slow brew into like a fast boil, overflowing boil to um, what's happening right now, right? So, we brought Soy el Diablo and Bad Bunny hopped on it in 2019. Um, we brought Banda Mese that uh, Snoop Dogg was on that, um, you know, like, who's like a 
notorious lover of banda and Mexican regional music. Um, we brought Yaritza y Su Esencia, who also sort of like fits into this like genre of um, of newer uh, Mexican regional acts. And um, I think Natanel Cano is one of the sort of like pioneers, like I was saying earlier, of making... I feel like that was one of the first times at least I saw Mexican regional being like, okay, this has the potential to like be like a big pop market, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and this song is currently number 69 on Billboard. Um, Fuerza Regida also has another song on uh, on the charts right now, number 90, um, with Peso Pluma, a song called Igolito Mi Apa. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Natanel Cano's from Sonora. And I, um, I think it's, he's a really, uh, he's been a really interesting figure to follow. And, um, as a person on Rancho Milde, also like one of the people who have like sort of opened the floodgates to, um, the possibility of all these other groups of people, I would say. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, it's like, it's so interesting, because I, you know, I knew that, that, you know, there's been some of this bubbling, but I did not realize until you put this all together, like, the sort of um, velocity and, like, intensity of this spike in popularity of these Mexican regional pop groups. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been huge. And Peso Pluma, um, in particular, having a moment right now, I think, is... Um, making everybody else look around at some of the other Mexican regional mm -hmm. acts and being like, okay, like y'all are also on this too. Like it's, it's honestly like feels a little bit also like the reggaeton craze, like those early moments where it's like all of a sudden, like right. this is everywhere yeah. and like everybody's yeah. like, okay, there's money to be made here. Like how yeah. are we going to do it? And right. um, I really like hope that these kids are getting what's due to them. Uh, because sometimes when this feels like, you know, like from a financial perspective, like a gold rush, there's a lot of, right. um, right. yeah, a lot of room for skepticism. Music, the music business is very predatory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope somebody's like studying like TikTok and like what it is that makes certain things really blow up on TikTok musically. Because there's just been so many examples of this from different arenas of music you know it's like you can have the same platform but have like you know these folks getting really big but then also some like indie queer person singing about fish like it's just fascinating like the different ecosystems that exist on that app mm -hmm. and the ways in which they like i don't know i mean i know there's an algorithm but like there's obviously like this this relationship to just like people are hitting on something that just resonates and then it's like boom 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 you know so yeah I yeah really and i think that this um this movement was really primed for that because yeah. i remember like before the pandemic got started i'm gonna say like in late 2019 um I knew I was trying to get this friend of mine to take me to this club in the Bronx where all of these rising Mexican regional acts were coming through. Right. Um, and I feel like I didn't know the scene that well, but so I didn't want to go by myself. And um, but I also knew that like a lot of like reggaetoneros were stopping by to like see mm -hmm. what was good over there mm -hmm. because they're like, what are these people doing? You know, and um and so like it's been brewing for a minute like before like tiktok was what it is today for example right, right? 2019 yeah. like what people had a yeah. really different relationship to tiktok in the united states than they do now 
um, for the most part. But, um, you know, I never made it. And then the pandemic happened. So I can't speak to what was happening in that club in the Bronx. But it's been something that's been brewing for um, for a little bit, you know, and so while this might feel sudden for somebody who's like looking at the charts, yeah. like this week and last week, um, yeah. and being like, what the fuck is happening? Like, if you've been paying attention to like, sort of like the moves different, um, especially newer and younger artists have been making, um, in the Mexican regional scenes, it's been bubbling for a minute and it hasn't right. exactly been low key. Right. That's totally true. And it's like, it's these things don't aren't created by these moments, right? They're, it's like something's already happening. And then the moment, right, it's like prime the to then stuff to it to, to yeah. just like blow up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure now there's going to be some people scrambling to like create this, you know, to jump on the bandwagon and stuff. But that doesn't necessarily um, work in the way that when people are already there, establishing these, these new genres or these experiments or these you know, collaborations, then they're ready for this moment, which is incredible. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I thought it was so interesting that Becky G is on this song. And I don't mean this as that Becky G is on this, like, you know, Mexican regional uh, stuff with a song, the song with Beso Pluma, who she brought out um, in Coachella. And, you know, like, I really don't mean this in a shady way, but her uh, ability to sort of like shape her sound according to like what's popular and what makes money um you know like it sort of makes sense with this for her and i don't mean mm-hmm. it even in a shady way she's a mexican-american girl yeah. so like it's not weird for her no. you know no but um but yeah it's very very it's just fascinating and it's fascinating to see yeah. how it's gonna play out this is reminding me a little bit of like the trajectory of bachata also like this sort of like you know this is obviously a little bit in the past, but like this new generation of bachateros who grew up on old school bachata from the DR and then they're in the Bronx and then there's like hip hop influences and pop influences. And then there, then Aventura happens, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it feels like there's Mm -hmm. a a pattern kind of of the way that generational evolution happens with, um, and the urban connection. Like there's a lot of things that we could draw parallels to. I think that that's exactly right because also bachata was like a, a, you know, a genre from El Campo. Right. You know, yeah. Same. Um, yeah. And same it, like, people's relationships in cities were about like migration and their parents' music yep. or like their relationship to home that they left or. Right. So that's that's fascinating. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really astute. Yeah. It's 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 just this whole piece of art, the movement of people and how it's just like completely transforming sound. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go to the next song. This song is another one that's on the charts right now. That's where I grabbed it. This mm-hmm. is Chino Pacas. It's called El Gordo Trae Mando. Acapulco y se pedo lo sepulto Y aquí no andamos haciendo bulto Al chingazo lo resulto De una glossona que va conmigo Siempre lista para un susto Y que sigan llegando las pacas 
pachinito Puro pasa el alto Compa Mario que nunca me deja unas banqueteras a veces tomando y mi compa Power y también el Mau me hacen segunda nunca me han dejado y mi compa Sapo si hay pebe brinca a la orden en una tira de vergazos y acá la envía al chile que no All right, existe. So this is one thing that I found really fascinating about this song. So this song is number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's not super high. But um, one of the things that I noticed when I was like, okay, like, who is this kid? Like, he doesn't even have, like, a Wikipedia, Yeah. you know? Um, and I'm just like, how does somebody who's, like, charting at this level not ha- You know, like, it's like it's all happening so fast. Um, and so I just, to me, that's, like, indicative of that. But so this song is um, also sort of in the genre of like the narco corrido as well, mm-hmm. right? This kid is obviously talking about his pacas, about moving product, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And mm-hmm. um, I think before we saw sort of like the um, emergence of this in like the pop world of like Mexican regional songs in the pop world, I was hearing about narco corridos and the popularity right. of narco corridos in Mexico and in La Frontera. Um, and, um, you know, but less from like a music journalism reporting type of vibe and more like a moral panic uh, type of situation of like, right. how could you be making music that's glorifying, uh, you know, the drug trade, an underground economy that is causing so much violence and death, which is not untrue. Yeah. Um, it's not untrue. And it also like seems like a similar moral panic to um, what people were talking about when hip hop started yeah, being very 100%. popular, which yeah. is like people talking about their way of life. Right. Like, and that's. Right. You know, like if maybe if you want people to not talk about these things, maybe like make systems that are less violent, perhaps, and not right. like get people economic opportunity besides the street economy, <laughs> right? And not yeah. just like be mad at the songs that they sing about right. their lives, right? Um, but so it's a lot of parallels there. So before before I started hearing a lot about this, about like these like young kids that were doing that had like a little bit of a different aesthetic, but still, um, you know, like tapping into Mexican regional for their sound. Um, I was hearing a lot about like narco corridos and what it mm-hmm. meant as like a social and cultural phenomenon. Right. Um, right. So again, this is not something that is exactly like coming out of nowhere as you, you know, like one wouldn't right. expect it to, right? Like you would never right. expect something like this deep and heavy to, um, to be, you know, like come out fully formed, <laughs> like suddenly, right? Like it's a scene that's been um, developing for a very long time. Yeah, what's so interesting too to me is like there's something about the instrumentation and I think this might just be my non sort of Mexican perspective of like, you know, the video of this, these kids are in a parking garage. <laughs> these folks, I yeah. don't know, they look really young. I don't know if they're actually, they're probably young men, but, um, and then you've got like a stand-up bass, you know, which to me is like, I it's an, not an instrument that I would associate with like 
music about drugs, you know? Although, I mean, I don't know. There's stand-up bass and jazz. Like, there's probably... I'm probably missing yeah. some history. Yeah, that's but right. But something to me about, like, tubas and stand-up basses and we're in a parking garage, like, singing about this. It just... I don't know. I love the contrast that that I... That I'm bringing to it from my own perspective. And, um, and just, again, it's the musical... It's the musical, like, synchronicity or whatever you want to call it, like the, the things that they're borrowing from the references that they're pulling together that I think is really interesting. But yeah, the flat cap and the tuba and the stand up bass, you know, like all of those things that mm-hmm. come from different places, but have been come together into this really, like, I think the song is great. Like really, really good music, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, they're currently not on, they had another song on the, um, Billboard Hot 100 before with Fuerza Regida that's not charting this week right now, but, um, but it's not like their, it's not their only, um, appearance, but on, on that one, he's billed as Chinito Pacas, but, Mm. um, but yeah, so, very very fascinating and uh, yeah like the stand-up bass the sousaphone <laughs> like mm-hmm. i love to see it i love to see the commitment to the live instrumentation yeah as well because mm-hmm. like when peso pluma was on jimmy fallon like they had like you know like a trumpet and like a stand-up bass and like guitar you know like the they had like oh, like several live instrumentalists who were like mm-hmm. live musicians playing like their um instruments that is very much um, in tune with like Mexican regional mm-hmm. uh, genres. Yeah, that's still that. Yeah, that's still an important piece of it. That's it's not just mm-hmm. becoming digitized. You know, like they're not just making a yeah, track yeah. behind them. Yeah, I respect it. So up until now, you might have noticed that there haven't been a ton of mujeres. <laughs> <laughs> By ton, you mean absolutely zero besides Becky G. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we've talked about how we brought Yaritza Sosencia on the show before. That is kind of like part of this crop. But um, there aren't a ton of women that are part of this movement that is getting a lot of prominence. But Yaritza and her brothers... Um, and her group with her brothers are she's one of the women who is getting prominence here and mm-hmm. i wanted to bring her latest song with grupo frontera it's called fragil no me pidas disculpas que la culpa es mía ¿Por qué no tengo corazón así? Así como el que te dieron a ti Porque el que te tocó mi es frágil Por eso lo rompiste fácil Yo quería un corazón así Así como el que te dieron a ti Porque el que me tocó a mí es frágil Por eso lo rompí
so helpful to have the context now that you're offering about because I've been following her right on TikTok and she's mm-hmm. like been been bringing her to the show because I just love her music. But now understanding like, oh, like the, her and her brothers are like part of a larger kind of wave yeah. that's happening, both supported by TikTok, but also like other places. It's really helpful context. I was just really like looking at her as an individual in a way that wasn't or th- th- this group in a way that I realize now is like missing a big piece of the picture. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she's part of like sort of like a much larger movida, and it's so important. This is a cumbia, which Grupo Frontera did with Bad Bunny as well. Um, I I love this video. It's so sweet. Daddy's looking gayer than ever. <laughs> love that for her. Um, there's like little dogs and like a carne asada. They're getting little bits of carne, you know, like mm-hmm. some for the pups. It's like <laughs> such a vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were saying before. I was like maybe with the gen gen z i mean maybe she's even like generation alpha i don't know exactly when the things change but like it's just like you don't even have to say it anymore you know you just don't even have to speak about people's sexuality because it's just like more of a non-issue i don't know you know i truly hope so i think it's wonderful it doesn't you know like people are like who cares right Right, Her hair's but in a way good. that right that isn't sing, about you know, pretending like, like it's not there. Yeah, it's like a different yeah. relationship to it. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, but for yeah, sure. I love it. It's there's just yeah, there's so much to love about about this trajectory that they've been on. Yeah, and I mean, as you know, Yaritza Sesencia also came to huge prominence because of TikTok. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the same people who were like vibing on Grupo Frontera, you know, and their TikTok hits were then introduced to this and it it's similar, yeah, like, yeah propulsion to popularity mm-hmm. super cool mm-hmm. so one of the things about them is that they are from like rural oregon they're like from like right. a farm worker family in rural oregon right. and a thing that i've been thinking about a lot um with these artists is like the relationship to like mexican born and raised people and like mexican <clears throat> immigrants who like left as little kids or um you know like mexican-american kids right like Mm -hmm. rancho mille was um is an la-based label right so they're operating with like within the context of the united states with like a lot of mexican immigrants and but like also within a u.s context right but like here we've like brought artists that are from like sonora artists that are from like you know like peso plumas from jalisco um, you know, like, and, you know, Yaritza is from Oregon, right? And so, but her family are Mexican immigrants. So it's a very interesting um, dynamic when we're thinking about, like, migration and sound and movements of people and how audiences are created also by migrations. Yeah. And how there's, like, a big audience in the United States now for this kind of music because of that migration and that uh, conversation that's happening, that musical conversation that's happening between Mexican Americans making this music and people in Mexico itself making this music and it's just really cool and fascinating and endlessly interesting to me. Yeah, it really is. And I think there's also like a a 0.5 generation sometimes between like the immigrant adults and the kids like before it becomes like Mexican American or Chicano or right like that the depending on yeah, how yeah. embedded like you are within like immigrant me, communities, you know. Right. Yeah, people like who migrated as kids, you know, mm-hmm. like or migrated mm-hmm. like, you know, as teens or whatever who had right. like 
serious formative years mm-hmm. in their country that they migrated mm-hmm. to. Right. And then also the fact that there's some communities here that are still so insular that you can be mm-hmm. a Mexican in the U.S. and the U.S. part is like not even that exceptional, you know, especially yeah. think about things like farm worker communities or places where people are more isolated. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's really, it's fascinating. So I don't know that much about these kids' experience, but I think about that with them, um, especially yeah, if you're sure. going to be like migrating as farm workers, you know, it depends on the kind of farm workers you are. Sometimes people are yeah. moving yeah, yeah, every yeah. season. And so how integrated are you going to be into like, you know, gringo culture, U.S. culture? It depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. If you're following the seasons and the crops around, right. for sure. Right. And it's mostly other Mexicans who are, are farm workers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's nice to have like, a female, you know, voice and she's like surrounded by her male brothers. So it's not, you know, she's like bringing it and it's still this very, um, male context, but you have another, another offering for us with some more diversity gender wise. I do. I do. I have a song by Yvonne Galas, who was the first woman who was signed to Rancho Humilde. Um, and this is a song she did with Daniel Dominguez. It's called Mm -hmm. No Puedo Olvidarte. Galas, as I said, is the first woman sound to Rancho Milde. But when we were talking about adding this song, uh, Perez, you were talking to me about, I was like, well, this doesn't really sound that much like the rest mm-hmm. of the songs on here. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. super Mexican regional. I can tell in the vocals that that's like the vocal tradition that they're, mm-hmm. um, that they're referencing. But like the production and the music doesn't sound, you know, like it's not like trumpets and tubas and mm-hmm. um you know like stand up basic the kind of thing that we've been hearing in some of the previous songs um but you were talking about how it's sort of a good indicator of how fluidly some of these musical mm-hmm. uh traditions are influencing each other and how right. like they are able to exist in this like sort of in-between space Right. Yeah. I mean, it really comes the question of like, what is Mexican music? What is Mexican regional music? You know, congas are not Mexican music, but here we have Grupo Frontera being like, we're bringing congas in, you know, and that's what's what's making it um, interesting to people. So, yeah, I think this this moment is is a lot about genre bending and genre crossing and creating something new from these different references. So it totally tracks that this would might sound Mexican in a certain way, but in another way 
totally feel like it's outside of that categorization. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and one thing that I loved seeing about Yvonne Galas is that she speaks about Chavela Vargas as <laughs> a huge inspiration to her. We just did an episode on Chavela a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, so take a listen if you haven't listened to that. But yes, she's very inspired by Chavela Vargas. She may, maybe looks like she could be family. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely referencing has like a Chavela. tomboy vibe. <laughs> Referencing yeah, Chavela is yeah, definitely like, like a flag a little bit, but mm-hmm, no. Mm-hmm. She also it. references Jenny Rivera, who, mm. as far as I know, was not queer, but you know. Yeah, yeah, still. fair. There fair. isn't, you know, like Jenny Rivera is also like, was like a big, um, she was, I feel like, sort of in between there, right? Like Jenny Rivera right. was like sort of also in the in between like pop, Mexican regional, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it, not maybe not as much as Selena. But, like, definitely in that mold. Um, And, you know, like, as we've been talking about, like, Selena was around doing her thing in the early 90s. So, like, Mm -hmm. the idea of this and, like, the ability for um, truly Mexican regional sounds to chart, it's not, like, the first time that we've ever seen it. And it's not the first time anybody's had this idea. But, like what we're experiencing right now is definitely a watershed moment for sure for sure yeah it's so interesting to trace the like precursors you know like the foreshadowing moments Mm -hmm. of of today yeah well thank you so much this has been such an interesting um yeah like exploration of this particular moment and all the um, precursors to it and yeah so thank you for for bringing this to us yeah, this was a really fun to uh, dive into. So I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope that you're going to get all of your like horn vibes on this weekend mm-hmm. um, with this little playlist. And thank you so much for listening. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to like our Mexican listeners who've been like sticking with us all these years. I can think of at least one person who like will always text me when we when we put something Mexican on. But like, thanks for like hanging out with us and like. El Caribe for seven years, basically. Um, you know, where <laughs> the moment sure. your moment has arrived. <laughs> for sure. As always, all the information from the songs that we brought to the episode are going to be on our show notes. And you can um, find us on Instagram and on Twitter. And we do a newsletter also that drops every Friday. So if you're not signed up for that, go ahead and join in the show notes as well. Thank you so much to Maite for editing our episodes and thank you all. Thanks to our members for supporting us. We can't wait to talk to y'all next week. Hasta la próxima. Bye.